Welcome to the first episode of Sell Me, the podcast that'll help you make decisions. Uh, this first season is about the College of Business, and I'm joined today by Dr. Eric Van Steenberg, marketing professor at Montana State University. Hi, Preston. Hey, thanks for doing this. Yeah, you're very welcome. Um, thanks for the uh, opportunity. It's a pleasure. Yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, so you're a marketing professor, and you do you do IMC, right? Yes, that's uh, yeah. That's your jam. That is actually that's the the course that I was hired to teach: integrated marketing communications. And yeah, that's what I love. I've been teaching it well for about thirteen years now. Thirteen years. Yep. Was that all here? No. Okay. I've been I've been at Montana State for three and a half years. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm just starting my eighth semester. Nice. Right now. Where were you before this? Okay, so it's a ways. Well, okay, so I. I had two years as a visiting professor uh-huh. at James Madison University in Virginia. Right. And then prior to that, I was in grad school. Oh. So, yeah, I was a late bloomer when it comes to the academic side of things. Really? Yeah, I spent I actually spent uh, three years as an adjunct instructor at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I went to grad school to get my PhD. Mm-hmm. And so four years of that, and then JMU, and now MSU. Nice. So did you, did you study marketing in school too? I did not. Really? My first marketing course was the first semester of my PhD program. Really? Yeah. That's that's yeah. crazy. But I had spent years as a marketing professional. And so me teaching integrated marketing communications is what I actually did in a career before I started teaching. So really? I was doing marketing communications. Yeah. So, a, so all of your like teaching points are pretty much from experience uh, yeah, a lot of it is and actually it's funny you, you say that because i get mixed reviews from students all the time some right. of them say he talks about himself too much and i was like i love the real world examples right you know? so yeah I, I from taking a couple of your courses i know that like after after the whole semester i'm like man that class sucked man that was so hard but but every time i get out of there i'm like man that's the most effective like marketing class i've ever gone through good and so everybody says the same thing. They're like, yeah. "Man, that guy is just brutal. I, it's I know. so hard." But like, you 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 come out feeling like accomplished. And well, I and that's feel like that's the point. And that's kind of what I want. I mean, I don't want to be a big ogre and beast to the students. That's not right. my intent. But I I you know I push myself hard in almost everything that I do. And so and I know that if the students are going to be successful, they need to be able to work hard also at a right. career in marketing because it's it's you have to work hard. Yeah. And so I try to say this is what it's going to be like. And so I pushed the students really, really hard in that class. And so as, as we were saying, though, that's the class I was hired to teach here. Right. Um, they had an opening for someone. They wanted someone who could teach integrated marketing communications and who could teach digital marketing. Right. And so And I'd, I'd done that before also. And, and I you did both I, of those. Yeah. And those two, those are the two things that I'd really done a lot professionally, too. That is super cool. And I know that um, you like to, you talk about your, uh, what's it, pager, the pager story. Yeah. You don't have to get into that because I know that that's a story you tell to your <laughs> class, but... That that's a that's a crazy story, and it uh, definitely like opens up like what marketing is really like and yeah. how creative you have to be. I mean, do you have like a certain personality that's going to fit marketing better than some other option in business, or as as a as a like a, a an individual, what traits right. they should have? Maybe, yeah. Um, well, I always say that if you want to work in marketing, particularly what I love, marketing communications, um, it's it's work hard, play hard. That's right. that tends to be the personality of the people. Um, you know, if you work at an agency, a Marcom agency, where you're you're providing these services to clients, um, th- those people, you know, they roll in around 9 a.m. or so. Right. Uh, but they're there till 6, 7, 8 o'clock at night. Right. And occasionally on weekends and a lot of travel. And yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's a hard work, but you know, they also like to have a lot of fun, and they do that too. And you did a lot of traveling with that pager thing, right? I did. Um, so. Just to give you a little background, I was working for a company that was in the paging industry. We had about mm-hmm. four and a half million customers. So uh, this is back in the in the late '90s, so mm-hmm. paging was still big. Right, it was a big deal then. And uh, yeah, so we had a nationwide network. We had four and a half million customers. And so when I was doing marketing for that company, mm-hmm. you know, wherever we had a trade show or or other uh, things, we would we would travel. So you know, we had trade shows in, that we had to go to in New Orleans and and Las Vegas, which are the big two trade show places but you know we also would go on press tours in LA and New York the big cities where the media are to to you know launch new product or talk about what we had going on uh, and so on that's i mean that's that's a good about that's <laughs> that's across the whole the whole nation it is and then oh i should have mentioned chicago too so if you think about it it's like almost like north south east west yeah just a whole <laughs> you got to you got to hit the whole yeah. united states um so you didn't study marketing 
in school. No. So that's I mean that's something I brought up in my my introductory episode is that it's never really a straight line. No. So it's so what you're kind of saying is it's never too late to go into marketing. I know that there's other professors here that also didn't study marketing to get to teaching marketing. Yeah. So um, teaching marketing, how did is that just like an option that somebody gave you or something like, hey, do you want to do you want to teach this class? I know that you've been doing this thing. It was actually a goal of mine. Really? For when I was an undergrad. I remember sitting there in, in school thinking, wow, that'd be so cool to be a, a professor someday. And I had no idea what I was going to be a professor in. But hmm. I, I, sitting there as an under, in my undergraduate in the, in the mid-80s, I was thinking, gosh, that'd be so cool to do that someday. Um, and you know, where I ended up, where I am now, if I look back on it, I can trace the path and it all makes sense. But if you go the other direction, you're like, well, how'd you get from here to here to here to here to right. here? You know, because I started out my undergraduate degrees in journalism. Okay. And I started out as a sports writer. Right. Uh, yeah. And Big then, sports guy. Yeah. I, I love sports. <laughs> um, not as, uh, now I'm focused just on three specific teams, but I used to, yeah. like, I would watch every sport there was. Really? Yeah. So I was a big sports guy. I, I spent years as a professional sports writer and sports editor uh, for, awesome. in the newspaper industry. Um, and uh, from there, what sort of then took my path toward marketing mm -hmm. was there was a, uh, a marketing agency in Dallas where I was living at the time right. that they loved to hire journalists to do public relations for them because they wanted people who could write right. and they wanted people who could write like journalists. And so they hired journalists to do PR. Okay. And so I was hired as a PR writer. In the, and so I was a very small cog in this very large uh, uh, you know, uh, marketing company. And I spent about four years there and learned, that's where I started learning about marketing. And I moved my way up in that company. I ended up in account service ultimately, right. uh, dealing with clients and mm -hmm. doing marketing strategy. Right. Uh, from there, I sort of combined my background in uh, the marketing and the, the journalism and became the uh, co-publisher and director of marketing for a magazine that covered the concert industry because I'd, I'd also done some entertainment editing uh, and reporting also. I'm in the ladder. Over yeah, there. so I, so I was this really cool magazine. It was a trade magazine covered the concert industry. So I got had I had to go to a lot of concerts. It was it was tough. I know, and Real I had to go backstage bummer. and meet the stars and everything. Man. I know it was, it was rough. <laughs> tough uh, deal. But uh, yeah, so I did that for a few years, and then I went to the corporate uh, and did the corporate marketing for the paging company that you you mentioned. Yep. Uh, did that for a few years, and uh, ended up after that starting my own consulting firm. Really? Yeah, and so I, I had my own consulting firm for about three, four years, uh, just doing marketing communications consulting for a number of different companies and had an opportunity to move in what I thought was going to be a part-time job as an executive director for a nonprofit organization mm -hmm. and um, turned out to be a full-time job and then some. Right. And um, so I did that for a while. And while I did that, I was able to go back to school and get my master's degree. And I started teaching at SMU in Dallas. Uh -huh. And then after three years of that, I realized now's the time to make the move. And so then I went to grad school. Dang. Yeah. That's a lot. It is. It what is. what made you want to start the consulting firm? Was I got it, laid off. You got, oh. <laughs> okay. That's not what I was expecting. That I was expecting like, man, I think I can just do this better than everybody else because no. that, that's kind of like the persona you give off. It's like, no, I'm, it I'm the man it, and I'm going to do this better. I, I wish. No, it was survival. <laughs> it was really? all about survival. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that paging company mm -hmm. uh, filed bankruptcy. And right. they, yeah, they, laid, they laid off a couple thousand people and I was one of them. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it was like, okay, now what am I going to do? And so I started, I said, you know what? I can do this. I, I worked at an agency. Right. I, I know marketing and marketing communications. So uh, let's start my own. So I started a company called Crescendo Communications. Okay. And uh, I loved my tag. I was so proud. I had a logo and a tagline. My tagline was called, and so it was Crescendo Communications, uh -huh. make some noise. Oh, that's but good. I like that. Yeah. That's I was pretty, good. It was pretty cool. I so, like that. Yeah. Yeah, it never took off. I mean, I had enough money to, to live for a few mm -hmm. years, um, but uh, never, I, you know, it was just me doing bits and pieces of consulting here and there. Right, so you just, yeah. every 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 once in a while, you'd have something come in? I had steady clients, right. um, but they were more like one-off project kind of things. I remember okay. I, did, I did a couple of pro uh, product launches. I had two companies that I launched there. One was in security and safety industry. One was in the sports field. Right. And uh, so I helped do their product launches, and we had a whole strategy and trade shows and uh, you know, all the, everything that you had to do when you took my, uh, IMC class. Right. God, that class was hard. <laughs> it was good, man. It was so good though. It was so good. Well, you, I, I, you know what? You were in there. It was an 8 a.m. class, which yeah. you know, for a college student and even me, it's not the, the best time, but right. uh, I applaud all the students who are there every day. Yeah. It was, it was definitely one of the, the most impressive classes that I've had. Well, I mean, I'm, in, I'm, I'm even in like capstone and senior seminar and, 
those the the IMC class and even the principles of marketing class that I took because we did a marketing plan yeah, for that did. one. The last the last of the <laughs> of that sort of class. That was that was tough too. But I mean, even through that one, you learn so much and yeah. you you like those plans are big. They are. They they're, are. They're super big. I well, know the my, IMC plan's even bigger than the marketing plan. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Our, ours was like only a little bit bigger than. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Just just to just to uh, provide a little background. So when I was teaching principles of marketing, uh, that's a required course that every student in the College of Business has to take. Right. And so, you know, a quarter of the class are finance students, a quarter are yeah. accounting, and a quarter are management, and then you've got the marketing students. It's practically like pre-senior uh, seminar. Almost. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah. And so um, it, we used to have the students work in teams to put together a marketing plan. And then one day I realized, you know, there's only like a quarter of the students in here who actually care <laughs> right doing a marketing and some plan. of them aren't even like business students <laughs> exactly like, there was like an animal involved, sciences yeah. person in my group yeah so it's probably not even a quarter it's probably only 20 percent who are yeah. actually marketing students who actually really thought this was valuable and i right. thought why am i killing them and why are they killing me with this plan that nobody wants to do <laughs> right so, we don't do that anymore do you think that uh, a class like that would potentially like sway someone who's in finance like towards marketing or away from marketing uh I doubt it. I doubt, you know, someone who's a numbers person, so an accounting or a finance person, right. they're going to stick with accounting or finance. They, right. they, they love that stuff. They love the numbers. They love the, the formulas. They love the, the everything they have yeah, to do. is very logical. Exactly. Yeah. Love the sheets. It's very logical. And so people, some people have a very logical mind. Right. Um, they're not going to sway. The management students, right. they might. There's a chance. Yeah, because management and marketing are very similar in that mm -hmm. you, it's a different type of, of personality. Mm -hmm. And so... These folks tend to have, you know, they, they're not thinking about filling out a form. They're thinking about human relations. And if right. you think about what you had to take in marketing, you had to take a consumer behavior class. Right. Which is just psychology of consumption. Yeah. Right. How people consume things. Right. And so, and then managers, they're thinking about how they deal with people. Right. That's a big part mm -hmm. of what they do. And so those are the two. If, if anyone in a class like that where we had all four majors together, if was going to switch to marketing, it would be the management. It'd students. be a management person. Yeah. So yeah. it's pretty much like we have two branches. Almost. You have marketing and management and then you have finance and accounting. It's just it's like about. If you're a people person or if you're a numbers person, you got, you it. got two options. Really. You got it. Yep. That. Yep. Yeah. I, I definitely can't. I'm not the numbers guy. No, I'm not either. <laughs> not the numbers guy. <laughs> we talked a little bit before yeah. we started this about accounting and the numbers part and we're just like nah yeah not a thing but you still have to know some numbers in marketing you, actually there, you have to know a lot and i actually used to be really really good at the numbers and i just it just didn't interest me right you know back back when i was uh just starting as an undergrad uh-huh uh, I actually was encouraged to go into computer science or engineering mm -hmm. because that had been my strength all through my earlier years, high school and everything. That's where I always performed the best. Right. And like if you take the SAT, you've got the math side and the verbal side. Right. I always scored exceptionally high on math and really low on verbal. Right. That's what I, I did. I can't spell worth a darn. Same. Okay. So then I get to college and they, everyone says, go to engineering, go uh -huh. to computer science. And if you know anything about me, if you tell me to do something, I'm going to do the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. So people mm -hmm. said, you can't write. So I said, okay, I'll be a journalist. And that's the start of this whole crazy path. <laughs> Man. That that's yeah, that that makes sense to me. And I started I actually started in engineering. I don't know if, oh, no. if you knew that. I started I in engineering and then I went to mechanical engineering technology and then I took my first business class because it was required as part of the engineering curriculum. Uh -huh. yeah. And I took uh like professional business communications. It was like two oh five or something like that. Right. And I was like, This sounds way better than everything I'm doing. And at the same time I'm getting like punched in the face by thermodynamics and <laughs> i took uh applied strength of materials oh my god that semester I as can't well imagine. and we this is this is probably the main reason i dropped engineering i i took the first test and it was a 50 point test i missed 51 points okay there was a three-point curve and i got a two. Oh, i don't <laughs> i don't know how i did so bad that i missed more points than there even were oh my god and when i went in to drop the class I like handed the teacher the drop form and he was like, Oh, why are you dropping? I was like, Well, if you look at my test, I got a two and he was like, I put a three point curve on that. I was like, Yep. You understand <laughs> now. He was like minus one. He was like, Yeah, let me let me see that. Let yeah, me see yeah. that paper. So then I went over to marketing and I really had no idea what I was getting into with the marketing thing. Yeah. And uh I figured I'd be talking to people and selling people stuff and i was like it sounds cool it's what i do for my job right. i was working at sports store and uh 
then it came time to get accepted into the college, and my GPA was terrible because I failed thermodynamics. Oh, that's right, yeah. Like, I, I took an F because I was playing lacrosse, and uh-huh. I needed to have 12 credits in order to play, and we went to a national tournament. So, you know, screwed myself there, but whatever. <laughs> and so I had to do a couple extra semesters, so I did one semester in aviation, so there's another major change, oh and I gosh. talked about all this in my, my introductory episode, but... <laughs> Did all these major changes, ended up getting my GPA high enough, and now I'm in my last semester. All right. And I mean, I still don't even know if I want to do marketing stuff. But, you know, even as you've displayed, like, that's that's not really how it goes. You know, like, right. you, you learn stuff from everything. Right. So, like, you learned how to talk to people very well in written format and, you know, verbal format through journalism, and now you're a marketing professor, right. and you boss at it like you're super good well thank you <laughs> i don't know about that but thank you very much yeah well, it's yeah, awesome yeah I, I would say you know to support what you're you're saying you know your your major in college and your first job out of college neither of those things define you right right you can be and do anything that you want it it doesn't really matter just follow your passion and mm-hmm. follow opportunity that's right. what i would say that's yeah so like speaking of after graduation like what what sort of things would a marketing like a marketing graduate look into like what whether that be directly into marketing or even, you know, something parallel. One of the things that I uh, often, maybe even always, recommend to students is to seriously look at opportunities working at a marketing agency. Okay. Uh, there's a number of reasons why. Uh, first off, at an agency, you're going to be juggling half a dozen clients or so. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to get a ton of experience doing a lot of different things. So you're, that's just going to uh, broaden uh, your marketing skills. Right. Second thing is you're going to, because you're working with so many different clients and then working on different client teams that will have, you know, some of the same people, but also different people on those particular client teams. Uh, you're working with those clients and they have a number of people at the client side that you're working with. You're going to have great networking. Right. And so you're going to meet a lot of people. Uh, you know, let's say you're working on five clients and there's, uh, at the client side, there's three people that you work with on a regular basis. That's 15 people right there that are just part of your network just because of your everyday job. Right. And your network's only going to grow because clients come in, clients come out, and so you're just going to meet more and more people. So you're going to have excellent networking. Third reason why I tell people, uh, students, to consider going at an agency is that culture, that work hard, play hard culture. Right. Um, The average age at an agency is probably somewhere in their early 30s, so it's a young set. You know, a lot of people straight out of college who go and work there, and so Mm -hmm. it, it feels like, you know, almost like you're just leaving one college and going to another, but now you're getting paid for it, so that's kind of cool. That is way better. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then um, finally, uh, you can make mistakes at an agency, and you'll be okay because there's enough layers in there before something gets to a client. Right. So it won't... It was like checks and balances. There are a lot of those, yeah. So there, there's enough layers that internal reviews and that if you do make a mistake, it'll get caught before it goes to client. Most of the time, not always, you right. know, sometimes mistakes yeah, happen. Sometimes they happen. Yeah, sometimes they happen, but usually they get, they get caught. And then I guess I, finally, you know, if you work at an agency for, say, three to five years, mm-hmm. you'll have a really good idea if agency life is for you. Right. Okay? You'll, it's you'll, a long time, though, three to five. It's, it's, it's actually not. Okay. Yeah, let's say it's after about three years. Okay. You can tell if agency life is for you. If it is, you stay there and you'll excel. And, yeah. you'll, and there's plenty of opportunities at almost every agency I could ever think of. If you don't like it, then you have a great opportunity to go to the corporate side because of all the contacts you've made from all your networking. Okay. That I always I always say, if a client hasn't offered you a job, which happens a lot, mm-hmm. uh, it's only because they don't know you would ever leave the agency. And so after mm. about three years or so, if you find out you don't like agency life, then you could start talking to your clients and say, hey, you know, if you guys ever had an opening, I'd love well, to come let me, for let me you. Let me slide in there exactly. real quick. <laughs> and, and again, if, if they haven't offered you a job yet, it's because they didn't know. And they'll probably, if they like you and you were doing a good job for them, they will probably make an opening for you to get you on board. Really? Yep. Just be like, we're just going to create this position because we'll, we we'll need to have you here. We want you. Yep. Has that happened to anybody you know? Oh, plenty. Uh, yeah. yeah. I know I know several of my friends right, who you have all these connections. <laughs> have, gone, have gone to the corporate side. Yeah. I got offered jobs at corporate when I was doing agency work. And what's really the difference between like corporate and an agency? Is it just like more focused because you're at like one, you're doing one thing instead of a bunch of different? Things? Absolutely, that's a big, big part of it. Obviously, I mean, you're you're focused on one brand or one product or one industry. Uh, that's where you're on the corporate side. Uh, corporate tends to be um, slower paced. Okay. Uh, because you have that singular focus, uh-huh. um, you have probably more responsibility. Because right. you're, you know, you, if you're the, the marketing person, you've got everything is you. 
Right. And that's why you hire agencies, you know, to, to work for you. When I was right. doing corporate marketing for the paging uh, company, I had an ad agency working for me. I had a promotion agency working for me. I had a PR agency working for me. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. And we even had an in-house team of marketers too. But um, the corporate also is tends to be a little bit less... Uh, uh, well, I don't know the right word, harried or frazzled. Okay. Uh, you know, again, you're working on the agency side, you're juggling half a dozen clients maybe. Right. On the corporate side, you know, you, you need to be there earlier. You can't show up at 9 a.m. like right. you're at an agency. you got to be there by 8 or so. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, you can probably leave about 5 or 5.30 too if you want. Okay. Yeah. You get a little bit exactly. shorter day, but a and, it's, and it's focused. It is. Yeah, so bit. you're not, you don't have to, you don't get like clients mixed up because you're just doing one thing here. Absolutely not, and there's fewer fires to put out. Okay. So, yeah. When you're working agency, you got those all those clients, and so you, you know it's like, well, what's going to happen today? And again, some people love that. They love that variety. They love that fast pace. They love right. solving problems, um, and so they'll work agency forever because it's great. And that's a personality thing. Other people would like, no, I want something a little more stable, a little quieter. Uh, let me punch the clock. Let me focus on one brand or one product. And that's the corporate side of things. Nice. So like in in terms of like creating all these these networks and connections, they're like better places to do this sort of marketing like if you want to become if you want to start climbing into that corporate uh arena do you want to like move to chicago and move to like san francisco or denver or new york or something like that so that you are in that that big environment or can you stay in a place like bozeman where it's you know kind of low-key you can do either actually yeah you have you have an option um there are more opportunities for marketing the bigger the city right right i mean that makes Uh, sense but the more competition for marketing jobs too. Right. So, you know, uh, I tell the students in my IMC class that, you know, I want you to be competitive when you graduate. And that's one of the reasons why I push the students so hard in that class because I want them yeah. to be, co- be competitive. A lot of students here in Bozeman, when they think about what they were, where they want to go when they graduate, they're thinking about maybe Seattle or Portland right. or, or Denver. Those mm-hmm. are, those are tend to be pretty high on people's lists. Right. And I say, okay, you want to move to Seattle. Let's think about who you're competing with. You're competing with students who graduated from the university of Washington. Right. And they've got home court advantage. Yeah. You're competing with students from Washington State who probably were from that area but just went out to Wazoo, and now they want to go back. Mm-hmm. You're competing with s- students who are at the University of Oregon, Oregon State, and Portland State who are like, oh, I'm tired of Oregon. Let me move up to Seattle. Right. And you people got, from Oregon probably have like a Nike connection they, too. A lot of them do. Yeah. A lot of them do. And then you're competing with kids who are from San Francisco who say, wow, it would be cool to go up to Seattle. So you're com- p- competing with kids from Cal and Stanford. That's who you're wow. competing with for a job in Seattle. God, that's all right. That's insane. Yeah, and if you think about it, think about any other big city, right? Think about Chicago. You're competing with kids from the University of Illinois, Northwestern, Michigan, Michigan State, Indiana, probably was like Wisconsin too. And Wisconsin, yeah. So, so, and then that, we're not even going to get started on New York. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so, I do recommend to students maybe don't think about going to New York. Right yeah, away. Right. That's going to be a tough one to get into. Right. But think about, you know, starting a little bit smaller. And I say, you know, if you want to go look, work in a bigger city, if you say you do want to leave Bozeman, uh-huh. even though there's plenty of opportunities here. There's right. Like, someone told me there's like 30 agencies here in Bozeman. 30? Yeah. I, I think I only counted like like 14, uh, which is still a lot. It is a lot. It's not, we're not, it's not big. No. Yeah, it's a college town. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, so I say, think of, if you want to move to a, a bigger city, think about starting in a city like Kansas City. Okay. Kansas City's got like, you know, three quarters of a million people. It's a which which Kansas City? Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> well the whole metro the whole metropolitan area. Right. Yeah, it's got like three quarters of a million people plus the suburbs, you know, it's it's a pretty big place. Yeah. And there's gonna be a lot of opportunity there. So and it's I've actually lived there. It's a really cool city. <laughs> and you could probably like find a connection in like St. Louis and Exactly. Then St. you're Louis then you're on great. the way to, exactly. to climbing up. Right. And then so you think about those places. I actually tell students, think about like Memphis. Seriously. I heard Memphis is awesome. I've been to Memphis. Memphis has a million people. It's got a pro basketball right. you know, team. Sweet college um, basketball team, too. It does, and they, are, and they are working really hard on revitalizing their city. They put in a trolley. They've got Beale Street, which has great music and barbecue and everything like that. So, Ooh, I mean, there are worse places to live, okay? Truly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there are opportunities. There are plenty of opportunities in a city like that because it's a city of a million people, but you're not competing with as many either. And, so, and then from there... If you you know if you like Memphis, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump to get to Nashville. And Nashville's right. a super cool place to live if you like music. Yeah, you know. And then can you then you can potentially get into like marketing? Is there marketing with music, or is oh it a totally gosh. different thing? Oh, huge! I, I'm God, huge. I feel like that was a dumb question. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, when I when I started my consulting business, I focused on uh, sports and entertainment. Right, that's what I did. Oh, and your whole paging thing was about music too. Exactly. Jeez. Exactly. So yeah. Come so on. you know, and then again, I worked at the entertainment. 
uh, I worked at the ma- the magazine, the right. trade magazine that covered it, the concert industry. I also did entertainment reporting. And so think about it. Uh, every movie studio has to do marketing for their movies to get people to come. Right. They have to work with the media to get them to review them. They have to get, you know, uh, they, they, you know, after the trailer's produced, they have to distribute it. They have to buy ad space. Right. I mean, yeah, the same yeah. thing with, like, like albums exactly. and stuff like that. You have to, you know, get the right, like, cover yeah. art and then promote that yep. and, like, do your ads. You got to do, do all that stuff. You know, yep. Banners and all and that think nonsense. And like, think about a concert tour, right? Now you're touring. Right. And you've got, oh, you know, that'd be so 50, fun. Oh, yeah. You've got 50 dates in North America that you're doing this one summer, Right. Well, they've got to right. promote every single one. So oh, they're doing that's advertising. Crazy. That's doing, probably a lot of work. Yeah, they're doing a media buy. They've got to schedule interviews for their their artists to meet with the local radio station right. and so on. So yeah, so they're they're think of all the things that you would do for one event. They're doing it fifty times in one summer. Jeez. So there's a ton of that's, marketing. That's that's work hard, play hard for yeah. sure. Oh yeah, you bet. How mm. how competitive do you think that is? Like Extremely. getting into into like. Really popular entertainment music. marketing, Ent- yeah. Entertainment marketing is extremely sports and entertainment are probably the, the highest, right? They're probably the most, they're probably the hardest to get into, yeah. They're just extremely competitive because they're so cool. Everybody wants to, yeah, everybody it. wants to be yeah. like, yeah, no, I was exactly. working with like Kendrick Lamar, right? Right, right, yeah. So, so if you want to, if you want to do entertainment marketing, basically, you're going to be in LA, really, yeah. I heard LA is like not that awesome to live in. Well, I don't know. My parents lived there for 10 years, and really, I liked it. It's just like jam packed. Yeah. Well, and everybody yeah. everybody's running around with a camera now. You got nine million people, so it's a big city. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's just like I, I I've heard that that it's just jumping off with like the YouTube thing. Everybody wants to be like a YouTube star in LA. Well, I think that's pretty much anywhere around the world almost, right? Yeah, people pretty much. YouTube stars. Yeah. So no, I have a friend who lives in downtown LA. She lives in a converted office building that you know has been converted to loft apartments and stuff. And she lives oh. there, and she has her own uh, uh, show that she does. Um, and she loves it. She doesn't even have to have a car, right? Because yeah. she lives in downtown, and her studio's in downtown. So. You just take a take a walk. Yeah, it just walks. That's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. So when you're going to pick one of these uh, firms or something like that, is it when you're make when it comes time to making your decision, is that something that you want to look at the city and see if that's a place that you would enjoy, or if it's a job that sounds awesome, you should just go and then deal with the city? Well, I would say never move to a city that you don't want to live in. Right. So. That's where, that's where you start. Where do I want to live? So I always ask that question first. Where do I want to live? Um, then you start looking at maybe all the agencies, if you want to go that route, that are in that city and start looking at, okay, what's their culture? Because the number one and most important thing with any job, doesn't matter if you're in marketing or anything else, is do I fit with that company and does that company fit with me? They'll, right. be, they'll be looking for the same things. So they have to look for a personality fit, a skill fit, and so on. So is it a good fit? So you look at that company's culture. So you look at the agency culture, and those are really easy to tell on an agency website. They should be oozing with culture. And you can decide whether you fit or not, right? They'll, they'll probably post pictures of their, their entire staff. And if they're all wearing suit and tie, then, and you're not a suit and tie person, you're like, well, that's probably not where I want to go work. Right. If they all post pictures of their dogs and you're a cat person, yeah, you probably don't want to work yeah, there. Yeah, it might not <laughs> be for you. Exactly. <laughs> but if, you, you know, if it looks like the culture's good, then you're great to go. Second thing you look for um, is their client base mm-hmm. who are they working for who are their clients um and you can make a good decision the agency that i worked for was all uh high-tech b2b stuff so we were doing okay. business to business marketing right. all high-tech stuff so if you want to go do consumer marketing that was not an agency yeah, to work, work for you right um if you have some sort of you know strong political beliefs one way or another and you see that they're supporting this organization that's a political this way or this organization is political the other way you may say, well, I don't want to work there. Yeah, it's going to be stressful. Exactly. It doesn't yeah. fit with my beliefs. It's be arguing with everybody Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so that's the second thing is like, who are their clients? Third thing you look for is the creative. Are they doing good creative work? Right. Right. You want to say, you want to be proud. You want to say to your parents, hey, check out this ad that my company just did. It's right. running during the Super Bowl or something yeah. like that. So look at their creative. If they're doing lousy creative, you probably don't want to work there. Right. And then the last thing you do is you look for careers. Are there any openings? And if they if the first if all those other questions it's in the city where you want to live, they've got a culture that fits with who you are, and you think you'll fit with them. Uh, if they have great client base that you're interested in working with, and they do good creative, look for a job, look for careers. I call those the five C's. Nice. Yeah. So I'll repeat them: city, culture, clients, creative, careers. Nice. Yeah. So you do that checklist. If the first four are yes, then look for a job there. Huh. That's that's sweet. That's yeah. a really good way of looking. You can do that for like anything too. You, you probably could. You yeah. probably could. Just create maybe a different a different C. Yeah. 
Yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, in terms of the creative thing, if you're looking at their their website and it, it just it looks it looks okay, it looks okay to you. Could, could you look at that as an opportunity and maybe like knock on the door and be like, hey, I can I can do this better. If you're a web developer and yeah. designer, yes. As a matter of fact, I had a student in my office earlier this semester who had that exact question because he was looking at a company he's really interested in working for. And he saw their website and he got, gosh, I could actually do a lot better. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, I, and he said, what do I do? So I gave him some advice on how to approach them, as, uh-huh. you know, because they don't have any openings, but he just wanted to talk with them and chat with them for a possible opportunity in the future. There's nothing wrong with that. That's called good networking. Right. But if you're not a designer, if you're not a web builder, right. and they have a website that you think isn't very good, then you probably don't want to work there. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So. Because they obviously do think it's good. Yeah, because they put it up there. <laughs> exactly. They put it up there. And I've, I've definitely looked at uh, a couple of the marketing firms around Bozeman, and it seems like the, the theme is let's just put every single one of the clients that we've ever worked with on, like, a repeating, like, tiled yeah. screen, and so you can click all of them. Sadly, that's not unique to Bozeman. Agencies, really? Agencies tend to make that mistake. If they did one project for one big name client yeah. one time they'll it's leave on them there. on there and they'll it's say look who there. we've worked with you right know? so like, there's definitely one that did that here with yeah. uh with i think like the yellowstone club well it's and like, even, we did it what you're not what doing you, it anymore yeah, but we did what, it what you'll find is that it seems like it seems like every agency in north america has worked for microsoft at one time or another oh, absolutely. So they all have, yeah, yeah, yeah they'll have either microsoft or apple or nike you know yeah. are going to be on their their here's who we've worked with here's our clients you know and they yeah. need one project yeah so you see that a lot um, and again, that's why you do some investigation. So look after you look at their client list, see what creative they did for them. Right. And if it was a one bro- one time brochure, then you're like, okay, maybe yeah, this isn't for me. It doesn't really count. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's a, if it's a regular thing, I mean, you're, if you're you know a, a big agency and you're you're doing Nike all the time, you're their agency of record. That's different. Um, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And like, so in terms of something like the Yellowstone Club or something like that, is that is that a harder thing to get into? Like private. Uh, what is it private private communities that's probably hard it, right well it depends is this an organization you know so is is the yellowstone club and i know a little bit about the yellowstone club probably right. it's not to be dangerous but right is the yellowstone club an organization that needs to do marketing so that's the first question i would ask right and maybe they it's do. more like people come to them not they go to people that may be the case also all sorts so of they might and whatnot. yeah they might not need the marketing right you know but they're but you know if you're gonna still let's stick in big sky for a second mm-hmm. okay um Big Sky, the town, right, and Big Sky, the resort, mm-hmm. they both do marketing. Right. They have to. They do. Because they've got to attract customers. Right. You know, and they have slightly different customers. They've got the people that are going to do the outdoor uh, play. That's mm-hmm. the resort. And then you've got people who they want investors and developers and uh, retailers and residents in the town. And so they're doing marketing to reach those audiences. Cool. So, like, when... When I was looking at, I was looking at Big Sky for for some reason. I think I, I think I actually stumbled upon it with uh, with one of the marketing agencies, and they they do donations and stuff. Is that is that part of the marketing or part of the like finance or accounting stuff? Because it's it's good PR, so it could it could kind of go both ways, or so is you, it just a combo thing? Are you talking about raising money or giving money? Giving money. Giving money. So uh, there's a lot of different types of of organizations that will give money. Um, for the most part, they don't have to do any marketing. Uh, if there's somebody who is asking them for money, they probably already have a list of who they are. It's, it's it would be the same as if you're doing sales. Right. You have your prospect list of who you're going to sell to. Right. If you are in a situation where you are raising money, like a nonprofit organization, you have your list of potential donors. Right. And so you're going to work them like you would work a sales list. And that's a marketing thing yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, you know, and marketing and sales are so close together. Yeah. Right? And that's why we have a required sales course. In, Which is awesome. In the curriculum. Highly yeah. recommended. Yeah. So you have to, you know, you have to understand the sales. Uh, sales is just about relationships. That's what marketing is, too. Mm-hmm. And so um, fundraising, if you're going to go into nonprofit, fundraising is just sales. It's just a different type of sale. I guess that's true. So um, if you were to make, you know, kind of one recommendation for someone who is thinking about going into marketing and they're just like kind of on the fence, like what would be your, your kind of... Your, your sales pitch on that like yeah like I, i'm on the fence and you're just gonna give them a little give them a little push like come on come on over come check it out i would say that marketing exercises every part of your brain as you and i talked about you know uh-huh. you, you have to have good you know interpersonal skills human relation skills you have to be a good 
communicator in general. So right. it's written and oral communication mm-hmm. skills, particularly if you want to do sales. Um, but uh, it also exercises the other side of your brain. We hadn't, we barely touched on it, but you were right when you said that there are a lot of numbers in marketing these mm-hmm. days. There's, there's ton. Marketers have been uh, dealing with massive data sets, uh, massive amounts of data, big data, for 15 or 20 years now. Uh, and they're using that data to identify customers and uh, target audiences and customer behavior so that they can make really good strategic decisions on what kind of marketing they should do to reach right. these, these people and hope that they want to engage with their brand. So then, you know, that, that was 20 years ago before we even started going digital crazy, and now there's all these digital metrics too. So there is so much you can do in marketing that's related to numbers. So if you do have an affinity uh, toward that kind of thing, you can go numbers crazy in marketing, and sometimes it's overwhelming how many numbers there are. So what I would tell someone is the cool thing about marketing is it's going to use every part of your brain. You can just do whatever parts you want. That's awesome. So, and then as a, as a professor, do you, you're doing, are you doing research or you do already do your research Oh, we, we have to do research You have constantly. to do research. Yeah. So what, what are yeah. you up to? Or can you talk about it? No, no. I, oh, gosh, I have to. I uh, love to talk about <laughs> it. I love talking about research. I don't know anybody wants to hear, but I do. But um, I like my research a lot, obviously. You have to. Right. Uh, and, and all the professors in every discipline uh, within marketing and within a university, all the different colleges, d- does all kinds of different research. And they'll always do the research that's obviously of interest to them. So what I do is I do research in an area called cause marketing. Now, cause marketing okay. is split into three areas. And one of the things I like about cause marketing is it's, it's applied marketing. So I do applied research. Nice. Applying marketing to something. All right. See that? See that? that now, 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 you're, now you're talking to me here. Well, I like this. Hold that thought for a okay, second. I'm going to tell you what thought. cause marketing is. And then we're going to go back to that. And, and re- when we do, remind me to say Big Bang Theory. And I'll, I'll tell you. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so cause marketing. Yeah. Cause marketing first is uh, applied marketing in three, one of three areas. And those three areas are nonprofit marketing, which uh-huh. I did, uh-huh. uh, political marketing, which I've done, okay. and social marketing. Now, for people who don't know, they say, well, what's the difference between nonprofit marketing and social marketing? Nonprofit would be specifically for a nonprofit organization. Right. Social marketing would be marketing like, hey, everybody, don't drink and drive. Or, hey, everybody, stop taking your car and let's use public transportation to clean the air, something like that. That would be social marketing. So uh, the thing that makes those three unique in marketing is that there's no tangible transaction, right? Uh One of the things about marketing, it's based on transactions. So, you know, I give you money, you give me the shirt. I give you money, you give me the phone or whatever it is. Those three, you don't have anything tangible. I give you a donation, what do I get? The warm fuzzies, right? Yeah. You I, feel good about yourself. Exactly. I give you a vote. What do I get? Well, I hope that you'll hope do what you, you said you're going to do. Yeah. That's, but that's all, you, that's all you get. And then, you know, I stop, you know, texting and driving. What do I get? Nothing. You don't get a crash. Right, exactly. Yeah, that, there, there is that. But, but uh, yeah, so there's no real tangible exchange in those three, which I think makes them really, really interesting to me. I focus mostly on the nonprofit and the political. Those are the two things that I do. Okay. So um, I actually have a couple of papers under review right now. At, at some really good journals. One is a nonprofit marketing paper. It's specifically about nonprofit advertising and how you can use advertising to raise money. The other one is a political paper. And this is one of my favorite things, things that I've done. Uh, my co-author and I collected data from a nationwide uh, survey three weeks before the 2012 election and three weeks before the 2016 election. Uh-huh. And both time we asked people who took the survey to indicate what they thought about the candidate's brand. As we were looking at, does brand image have an effect on voting behavior? And we compared the 2012 and 2016 elections as well. Dang. So, yeah, that's that, cool. was, that was really cool. So then what about this big bag? <laughs> okay, <there>? yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, Sheldon, the character on Big Bang Theory, right. he is a theoretical physicist, right? Right. So his research is on physics theory. Uh-huh. And in his mind, that's the top of the pyramid, right? That's the right. best, most important. I mean, you are, he's, he's, you know, quoted in the show as saying, you know, he, his, his uh, research will explain everything, right? The theory uh-huh. of everything. The theory of everything. Exactly. Right. So that's where, that's where his view is. And then he makes fun of his roommate Leonard all the time because Leonard does applied research. Leonard okay. is an applied physicist uh-huh. so he says he takes sheldon's theories and he puts them into practice and says did it really work right you know, did the does gravity exist you know he's testing right. gravity and things like that not really but right. you know so he's he's applied then sheldon makes fun of even worse than leonard he makes fun of all the people that do social science research uh-huh okay so social science research is like how people behave uh-huh well look what i'm doing i'm doing 
applied behavioral research. So according to Sheldon Cooper, I'm at the bottom of uh-huh. this elite list of what a researcher is, should be doing. <laughs> nice. But I would argue, my argument back is, yeah, well, what I'm doing has real world implications. Right? I, I think that's awesome. Because if if my research on nonprofit advertising demonstrates what does help raise more money, then nonprofit marketers can use it to raise more money. If he comes up with the theory of everything, how does that help anybody? Yeah, like what does that do? What does that do for me? It's kind of yeah, it's kind of goes inside with the with the the feeling thing. Like, what do I get out of this? What do I get out of theory? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing really. I mean, he can explain the whole world, which is great. Yeah. But that's not going to help that nonprofit yeah, like, raise more money. Yeah. What 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 what's the nonprofit going to get out of exactly. this? Nothing really. Exactly. So that's that's one of the reasons why I like the applied thing. I think that's awesome, and that's that was part of the reason I switched from mechanical engineering to mechanical engineering. Jeez, technology, because they're like, yeah, it's mechanical engineering, but everything's applied. Yeah. So I was like, sick. I'm not just going to be doing theoretical stuff. Exactly. I'm going to be actually doing it. Yeah. Because I was interested in like creating, like designing lacrosse sticks or yeah. you know skis or stuff like that. Because that's why I came up here was to was to ski because yep. I was like, oh, Bridger Bowl, 16 miles away? Let's go. go. Yeah, that sounds exactly. awesome. And now I don't really do that because I'm way too busy because I, I don't know, it's I'm, I'm crazy or something like that. But, <coughs> I mean, yeah, the applied thing is, is awesome. Yeah. And it definitely, for me at least, and you too, it makes things way more interesting. Yeah. Because it's actually going somewhere. Right. And you find that's what engineering is, is almost all applied. Yeah. Um, think about the physical sciences also. Everything they do mostly is applied. Right. You know. So. Yeah. So before we wrap this thing up, we definitely got to we gotta talk about the spin instructor thing. Oh. <laughs> how, did, how did that become a thing? Because when you when you drop that bomb on us in class, I was like, no way. He's did, a, he rides bikes in front of people. Yeah. And. How did I become a spin instructor? Well, first off, I always say that um, I love being a technically we have to call it cycle instructor. Cycle instructor. Spin is like I have this brand name to it, right? Yeah. Just oh. like rollerblade. Oh yeah, that's roller, actually rollerblade is actually brand a brand. Yeah. Exactly. So you have to say inline skate. So okay. we say cycle instructor. So yeah. So um, what, I, what people ask me, how did you get into it? And I say, well, first I love it because I was going to go to the gym anyway. Right. Now I get to play my own music and yell at people. So. It's pretty cool. Oh, wait, and get paid for it. And so. get paid. Yeah, you get paid to ride a bike and play music and tell people to exactly. pedal harder. Exactly. So I think I get like $12 a class, so it's bringing in the big bucks. Yeah, you're yeah. really raking it in there. I know. How long are they usually? Um, so I teach three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday mornings. The Monday, Wednesday classes are 45 minutes, and uh-huh. the Saturday class is an hour. Jeez. Yeah. And that's like hard cycling, right? It, it can be. Yeah. It can be? It can be. And you, you always say that you play the best music. What's uh, what's the playlist like? Oh, my gosh. So I'm all over the place. All and over I, the place. Well, I have to be because you think about it. Um, I'm never going to play an entire playlist that's going to satisfy everyone. Right. There's no way. Everyone has such different musical tastes. Right. And so I'd seriously tell people, if you heard one song that you know, that's great. If you right. like that song, even better. And if you sang along, that's the best I could do. And I'm talking just one song. One song. Yeah. That's the, you know, because I have to do a variety. Now, uh, that said, I will tell you that a lot of the music I play is like uh, 90s and, and 2000s sort of uh, uh-huh. alt rock kind of stuff. So right. you'll hear a lot of Lenny Kravitz right. and a lot of Link, uh, uh, Linkin Park, Park nice. and a lot of Foo Fighters and a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, I, I love that stuff. Those are all good. I like them. Uh, but I also play a lot of, uh, I'll, I'll throw in some hip hop every now and then, like classic uh-huh. and modern, you know. Uh-huh. Classic, uh, like, I think classic's better. Oh my gosh! So I play Public Enemy. Sick. Yep. Uh, Eminem. Yeah. You know stuff like that. Um, people, people got to start going hard when they hear Eminem. I think he's like so. yelling in your face <laughs> and all this, all this stuff I hope about so. having a hard life, and you're just like, man, I'm, I can go yeah, harder. Push, push. I can go I know, harder. Than I this. know. Uh, and then I'll play some. You know, I, I got to play some pop music in there yeah. too. So you know, you'll, I'll, I'll throw in a Taylor Swift song if I have oh, to. Oh man, you no, have to. That bring me down. You have to. I know. You have to. What about like? Oh. Do you ever get like classical in there? People like to cycle the classical. Or you do, you just leave that out. I will play it. So I start my music 15 minutes before class begins. And mm-hmm. so there's music, and sometimes I'll throw in some classical there, but I can't, we don't really cycle to it too much. Yeah, you can't cycle to yeah. it. That'd be, that'd be kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. But but I feel like you could also get into like a really good groove. You can, you... And, and the thing is someone asked me, like, they said, how do you um, pick the songs that you use? And I said, anytime I hear a song, I'm always thinking, how could that be something we could ride to? <laughs> so right. I'm constantly thinking about that every time I hear music. So yeah, I'll tell cool. you how I got into it, because you had asked that. Yeah. I started... I used to be a runner. I was a big time runner. I ran right. three marathons. Really? Yeah. 
and any big like big name ones or um well i ran the dallas white rock marathon okay. i ran the silicon valley marathon in san jose sweet. and then i ran the rock and roll marathon in san diego the rock and roll yeah sweet they have a band like every mile that's it's awesome bad that yeah. sounds like a marathon that i might it was probably <laughs> never do in my life but i <laughs> but like it sounds cool yeah i maybe go spectate yeah yeah it's it's a fun, it's it, it, that was a great one to run um but unfortunately, I did did them. You have to do so much. It's like six months of training for a marathon. Really? And so I did so much running. I ended up having an injury, and so I had to stop running. And I started riding the bike. Uh huh. And so I just started riding the bike like crazy. Right. And so I have a mountain bike, and I I'll go out and do fifty miles on my mountain bike. Really? Yeah. What kind of bike you have? Uh, it's a garbage piece. Uh, garbage. Uh, you know. Piece of garbage. It, it's it's just old. You know, it's actually it was a good bike when I bought it. Uh-huh. It's a Trek bike. It was yeah, really good when yeah, I bought yeah, it. Yeah, but totally the bikes they make now are so much better. They're so much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's a, you know it's a it's a junker, and I can you know beat the hell out of you it. You can get there. So exactly. exactly. Do you do like the bank tail divide and stuff like that? So funny story. I actually have ridden the bank tail divide trail uh-huh. on my mountain bike. Uh-huh. Um, one of my regulars in my cycle class uh-huh. told me one day. She said, "Oh gosh, you know I'd I'd gotten out of shape and uh, coming to your class uh, so motivating that I was able to ride my bike up the bank tail divide trail and I got to the top and the the the, the meadows up there were so gorgeous with the wildflowers and I said, oh I." I don't even know about this trail. She goes, oh, you should come riding with me. She tells me this on like a Saturday. Next thing I know, the following Tuesday, she and I are riding up Bank Tail Divide Trail together. I thought I was going to die. Yeah. I mean, I fell off my bike on the first turn. And then every turn, I was like having to jump off my bike to push up these. I found out there were 22 switchbacks on that trail. You counted. Oh, I read about it later. Oh, you read about it. Because yeah. I was like, this was crazy. Yeah. 22 switchbacks and you, you, your elevation gains about 2,000 feet. Yeah. I'm like, yep. I could barely hike this isn't, thing. Isn't what was it like I 21 thinking? miles for like the whole thing? If you do the whole thing, yeah, the whole thing, like 20, yeah. yeah, something like that. We got up to the top. I really was, I just, I thought I was going to die. And she goes, and we stopped and we had sandwiches or something. And, I, and I'm and i just beat. I'm done. Yeah. And I was like, um, can we get a helicopter to come pick me up yeah, and get, get me out of here? airlifted yeah, out of here. Yeah, I know. She's like, well, there's two ways we can go. We can continue around and do the other, you know, 15 miles. And yeah. she said, it's mostly up and down. I'm like, I don't think I can go up anymore. I'm not going to do I'm any more And she goes, well, then we have to go down the way we came. And I'm like, oh, no. And, and you would, yeah. You I, I'm going down this thing, and one time I almost went off the edge. I thought I was going to oh, die. Oh, man. We get to the bottom, and she looks at me. She goes, You want to go again? You, you really <laughs> got you her serious? into shape. Are you you put her to work in that <laughs> oh, cycling wait, wait, class. Wait, Fortunately, one of her friends was coming by, and I said, oh, Excuse me, could you um, put my bike and take me back to town? Because we only had one car, and she was going to go up again. Jesus, she's crazy. So I'm in the car with him on the way back, and he goes, how do you know her? And I said, well, she comes to my cycle classes. He goes, man, do you know she's a, like an Olympic athlete? I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, she was a, she was the Olympic trials as a biathlete. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, okay, great. No wonder, you know, she's going up and down this thing two times. Jeez. She's actually, Olympic I, level. I know someone that was a, that's, that was an Olympic level biathlete, actually. Yeah. Might be the same person. It might be. Because might be. she came on, uh, we do demo rides at the, the shop that I work at. Oh yeah. And she came she came on that one and took one of our one of our demo bikes and was just ripping it. Nice. Yeah. And then she yeah. like jumped into the freezing cold water. Yeah. She's crazy. But yep. yeah, that that's the first uh besides like leverage, the first trail that I rode yeah. and had a lot of fun on. Yeah. And unfortunately I watched someone flip over the handlebars on one of those switchbacks. But man, that's it's a fun trail. Yeah. I it was pouring rain oh gosh i, I could imagine I, I did it twice that day actually but wow. we we didn't do the whole thing we just did a bracket to or olsen to bracket creek mm-hmm. i think it is and we we shuttled it up to the top so it was only like a mile oh. like three-fourths of a mile up and then like four and a half miles down yep yeah so that was awesome so that's probably the only reason i was able to do it twice but I was coated. Oh my gosh! In I believe mud. It. I, I think I had. It. I think I had maybe a half inch of mud, like all the way up my back. Oh my gosh! And then up the front too, because I was bringing up the rear, so I got everybody else's Everybody's mud flag. too. Yeah. I yeah. I couldn't <laughs> even see. Well, it was it, insane. But at the at the gym, we have heart monitors that we wear. Right. Um. And you know, we have the screens, and it shows you your heart rate and all these you know cool things, and it shows what zone you're in based on percentage of max heart rate. So. You know, the red zone is your 90 to 100% on your max heart rate. Right. The yellow zone is you're in the 80s. The green zone is you're in the 70s. Yeah, blue you're not, zone you're the not really working that Exactly, yeah. exactly. So 
um, we also do different types of rides in the gym where we'll do a simulation. We'll just be like one day's intervals. And so we're just like sprinting and recover and sprint and recover kind of thing. Right. But we also have some, they're like power rides. And so we're in heavy gears and you know, we're like simulating that we're going up and down mountains and things oh, like that. Man, my thighs are thinking about that. <laughs> so man. the day before that I rode with her on Bangtail divide trail was a power day. And so I had my heart monitor and then with this particular uh, heart monitor, there's an app, and they send you an email that shows you what your ride looks like. It's like a ride profile based on your heart rate. Right. And so if you're in, you know, climbing, you're going to be mostly in in yellow, going to be in the you know the 70 and 80 percent of max heart rate. The next day when I rode Bangtail Divide, I wore the heart monitor again, uh-huh. and when I got the email, it was like red zone, red zone, red zone, red zone. Jeez. And the only times it was in the green was I and people I showed it I showed it to people. I still have the email. The only time it's in the green, they're like, well, what happened there? I said, I, I had to stop. I took a break. I told her to stop. I couldn't go anymore. <laughs> Jeez. Good God. And then they look at the rest of it and they're like, man, that thing's like maxed out for like it's, the last it's ridiculous. 20 minutes. It is you, absolutely you better ridiculous. take a break. Yep. That's exhausting. It's ridiculous. Do you do any other any other stuff, besides, any other crazy stuff that people would like to know? Um, being a spinner or cycle instructor. Cycle, Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to run. I don't do that anymore. I used to play every sport there was. Really? Uh, yeah, I was, and I was pretty decent at. Did you ever play uh, lacrosse? I did not. I never Damn. played lacrosse. That's I played my hockey. Jam. Nice. So I did. You know, it's like lacrosse but on ice. Yeah. Right. I do both. So I awesome. My jams. So I played hockey. Um, loved loved playing hockey. Um, I was actually a pretty good basketball player. My best sport was soccer. I actually actually played on a team that won a state championship. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Finished third in an eight state regional after that. That's so pretty good. That was my that was my best sport. You ever do golf? I have played it before. Um, it bores me. Really? Yeah, it's hard. It is hard. You gotta be mentally tough playing. I'd rather I'd rather uh, drive the golf cart and drink a beer. You could do both. I know. That's not recommended. No, but definitely that's not. what that's what most people do. <laughs> I, if I could be like all time cart driver, that's I would love golf. Maybe maybe the next business venture is like maybe like uh, like Uber. That's what Uber exactly. for golf exactly. You can just call up, call around. up your cart and be like, someone just, well, I, I just can't, you, I can't be doing this. It would anymore. need to be like the most exclusive golf club where the people, where the people are so wealthy they don't even want to drive their own golf cart. That's, that'd be good. That sounds like a job for the YC. <laughs> sounds like a YC so. job. You can just create an opening. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. Well, I, I think, I think we can wrap this thing up. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for helping out. Oh, happy and to be in the first first official episode of of the podcast I'm, I'm happy to do that too i always tell students be first yeah be first that's awesome uh, well this is this will conclude the first first official episode of sell me this has been uh press night and dr eric van steenberg professor at montana state university in marketing and uh we'll see you guys next week thank you preston thank you